We are in a paradigm shift in terms of how we think of what a 70 or 80 or 90 or Julia Hurricane Hawkins 103 looks like. And this is a shift that's going on of proactively, and this is what Mark says also that I love, is prehabilitation versus rehabilitation. Welcome to Power Up Your Performance, where we talk about how you can learn to think, feel, perform, and live like a champion. Hey, hey, welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Kim Peek, and I am so excited to share this interview I did with Dan Williams. Dan survived a heart attack and went on to achieve top USA ranking as a master's track athlete, receiving All-American honors from the U.S. Track and Field Association. After learning of Dan's near-death experience and athletic accomplishments, the American Heart Association published Dan's story, New Heart for Life in their survivor gallery to inspire millions of people with heart disease to achieve a healthy and fit lifestyle. Now, Dan passionately shares his experience and more, teaching life principles that bring about change no matter how dire your situation may be. I interviewed Dan and Dave McGilvery, who you heard from in episode 102 several weeks ago, and shortly after interviewing these guys and talking about how they each accomplished amazing athletic feats after having heart attacks, Dan on the track, and Dave running the Boston Marathon, for which he is also the race director, I got a call, that dreaded phone call, saying that my dad had just had a heart attack. It's never fun to get that call, and we got some disappointing news. My dad is 76 years old, and he still goes to work every day. He has not been super active throughout his lifetime, though, but he still gets around really, really well, does lots of chores around the house, does his own yard work. But unfortunately, due to a lifetime of smoking, his arteries are very brittle and he's not a candidate for any of the medical interventions. So all they were able to do was send him home with medications. But after watching what both Dan and Dave accomplished with lifestyle changes, I am hopeful that we'll still have my dad here with us for many years to come. I hope this interview with Dan Williams gives you hope and inspires you as it did me. I really love all of the wisdom that he drops in this episode, really showing us that you are never too old to change your ways. You're never too old to reinvent yourself. This man at 71 years old is a fitness influencer and is helping people change their lives. So I'd love to hear what you think after you listen to this. And if you do like this episode, please go to iTunes and give this podcast five stars and review. On with the interview. Welcome to the show, Dan. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Kim, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. You have quite a story. So I want to just jump right in and have you tell your story. You survived open heart surgery and then went on to become a master's track champion. Can you tell us just a little bit about how did you find out that you had something wrong with your heart? What were the circumstances behind that portion of the story? Well, you know, there's, there's three factors that contribute to three major factors that contribute to uh, heart disease. 
um, stress, diet, and lack of exercise, right? And uh, so I had the perfect storm. Uh, all those were going on in my life. Although previously in my late 20s and early 30s, I had run three marathons and I had run track in school, but life happened, got overtaken by, you know, jobs, stress, raising a family and, you know, the, the proverbial rat race. <laughs> and so uh, I, I fell way out of all of uh, any habits for, for a number of, for a number of years, um, too many to count. So uh, I was pretty much ripe for, um, for something to happen. And indeed I did have a heart attack and they deemed it not to be now any, anytime you talk about the heart, anytime you talk about a heart attack, it's, there's no, there's no such thing as not serious, but there's different gradations of it. So uh, being a veteran, I was at veterans hospital in Martinsburg, West Virginia. And um, I had pneumonia at the time. I thought it might've be something with the pneumonia, but they said, no, Dan, you, you, you've had a heart attack. And so, um, what happened, Kim, was they, uh, I literally stayed in the ICU unit in Martinsburg for a week. There was a backlog. That was back in the days when, um, you know, I, the cardiologists and the heart surgeons were in D.C. So what they did is they uh, literally um, sent me home over the weekend, said, why don't you just go in Monday as a, um, you know, for outpatient status and get a stent. They deemed that I, 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 would, I would need a stent. Um, so I went in, I walked in into the uh, VA hospital in DC that morning in early December of um, 2012. And the last thing I remember was I was on a stent table. That was the last thing I remember. Five days later, um, I was awoken from a coma uh, because what happened in the interim was uh, I had multiple heart attacks on the table. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. Um, and the cardiologist literally, you know, it was one of those Houston, we have a problem situations called the heart surgeon upstairs who was teaching a class, um, and bought the heart surgeon, um, down and, uh, they ballooned me up that night, uh, sedated me. I, I don't remember any of this. I was all told this. And then, uh, nine hour open heart surgery. Uh, died twice on the table. Um, once they got me out of surgery, they couldn't close me up because of the blood thinners that I'd been on the previous week. Wow. So a lot of internal bleeding. And one of my buddies asked the doctor, he says, well, what, what's going on? And he says, well, the heart is supposed to feel a little bit like a football, you know, kind of a leathery type of a hard feeling to it. He says, um, your friend's heart, when I press on it, feels like cotton candy. And nothing but blood comes out when I when I press on it. So they couldn't stop the bleeding, and hence that's why I was um, that's why I was in an induced coma. And um, by the grace of God and prayers from family and friends, and uh, just I was given the I was given the gift of life, and was able to walk out of that hospital a month later. Wow. That is crazy. Five days later, you wake back up and realize that five days have passed, and this is what's been going on. Uh, I I didn't I didn't know that much. Um, I 
I awoken Kim. Um, well, the night before, my I have four beautiful daughters, and one of them was holding vigil, uh, and I guess it was early morning. And I remember the voice as clearly as we are speaking today. And she said, hey, Dad. And I, I still didn't know what was going on, but I do clearly remember hearing that voice. And then she said, I squeezed her hand. She was holding my hand. And the next morning I awoken uh, and my wrists were tied to the bed rails because um, I was in, in, intubated, uh, couldn't speak. I was, I was frightened to death. <laughs> I mean, uh, I just avoided the death, but I was frightened um, right. to the point of terrified because I couldn't speak. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what was going on. And then slowly the start, the story started being revealed to me um, over the next couple of days. Wow. So when this was all going on, were you still in your phase of life where you were out of shape and didn't have the fit habits that you had today? Or had you already started becoming your, your journey to becoming more fit again? No, I was, I was at the part, the, the first part of what you just shared. I was not fit. I was under stress. And um, it was just one of those, looking back now, and I think this is a message for the audience, you know, when you're going through a lot of trauma and stress at the time, you know, somehow, whether it be denial or just human instincts, we think we're, we can handle it. And I was going through a, um, a tremendous amount of stress thinking that I could handle it. And so that led up to the situation that I just described. Okay. So then you get out of the hospital and then how does your life change? <laughs> oh gosh. Um, well, you know, out of the hospital, I, I was very, you know, um, green in terms of, oh my goodness, you know, I was very weak. Um, and it was, I, I did jump back into work four months later. They said I shouldn't have done it for at least a year, but I got back as soon as I could. And, but I, I said, I felt very frail for the first year. Uh, very like in my insides, although outwardly, you know, people would say, Hey, you look great, Dan. Um, but inwardly, you know it when you know it, I just did not feel, uh, I felt very, very weak and, um, it was all about my body recovering. So that was about a year and a half process where, um, and then what happened, Kim, and this is, I think the my story of new heart for life and my new heart for life story, you know, it was, it was picked up by um, the American heart association and, and they talked about what, what we just shared. But the second part of it is in my view, why I'm in extra innings and why I'm here um, talking to as many people as I can to the, um, to the benefit of podcasts like yourself. Because the asterisk on that story is that I slipped back into my old habits. I forgot. Wow. I started to get complacent. And you would have thought that my bottom would have been that horrific situation where I had a near-death experience and just frightened my family and daughters. But it, I got back into the uh, gerbil wheel of work. I got back into not being fit. 
And what happened was, and it was an epiphany type of in a moment where, and I think this is a message for, you know, that I, I want to communicate that the heart attack necessarily wasn't my bottom. It should have been emotionally, physically, and spiritually. My bottom was, I just wasn't feeling good about myself. I wasn't feeling fit. And I pushed myself back from the dinner table one night. I was, I was bloated and just, you know, every time I ate a meal, it felt like I just put on four pounds. Um, and I, I pushed myself back from a dinner table one night and an inner voice came to me as clearly as we were having this conversation today. And that voice said to me, Danny, what are you doing? You've been given a gift so freely of life and you're not going to get a second chance. And it was at that moment, Kim, that I made the decision to reignite with my passion of running and to start on a fitness program, which started with walking for five minutes, which led to 10 minutes, which led to 30, started jogging for 10, which led to 20, which led to 40. And I slowly over time started to um, get myself back into shape. So I like that you said, I made the decision because I think that that's a really important first step for anybody who wants to make a change. First, you have to make the decision to change, to try, to take those steps. So I think that that is really powerful. Um, I also love that not that this happened to you, but that you were able to go from such a low point and become this phenomenal athlete. And so talk to us a little bit about just what you think about the ability for somebody to start over or to make a comeback at any age. Yes. At any age, uh, this year, this year, this this year and also this month, I'll be turning 71. Oh my gosh, and really? Yes, really. <laughs> you look so much younger than that. <laughs> wow. Uh, I know. I look in the mirror every once in a while and go, who is that guy? That is um, awesome. And uh, so at any age, I think is, is really important because the message is that uh, age is just a number, right? You know, you can be in really horrible shape or great shape at the age of 20, 30, um, or you can uh, work yourself back into a lifestyle of fitness um, at um, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and, and, and onward. So there is a process um, to come back. And it becomes, how's the saying go, um, brighter through obscurity, right? <laughs> you know, only looking back now does it become pretty clear what that process was. Mm-hmm. And as you pointed out, uh, I've started a series uh, called a 21 fitness principles mm-hmm. and I've started a YouTube channel, you know, you know, in this void that we're all in, I didn't plan on this, but I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening and perhaps yourself uh, take a, you know, what do we do in this time? What do we, what do, how do we, how do we fill a void and be, have some meaning to life, you know, amongst all of the tragedy and, and uh, sadness that's around us. So I started a, um, uh, a YouTube channel and it was um, one word fitness principles. 
And I say that because the first principle is decide. Oh, how coincidental there. I had not watched all of your videos in order. So that's pretty cool. Okay. So the first one's decide. And you're so right that that decision had to be made. And it not only has to be made for folks that are at a bottom and they go, how do I get myself from A to Z? And you do it by going from A to B first. (laughs) You can't go from A to Z. Uh, But you also, that decision has got to be, as my inner voice came to me, it's got to be deep and profound. Or at least that was my experience. And it's got to be made for yourself, not for anyone else. And it's got to be made at a point where whatever, you know, we talk about bottoms, but, you know, everybody's got different bottoms, you know, it all depends on where you're at. So whenever somebody's at a point where they go, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, then you have to decide. And then once that decision is made, what, as I described it, I connected back to my passion of running. So whatever your passion might be, because what you've experienced in your life, as I've read your story and your endurance training and your triathlons and marathons and um, endurance training is this is not easy stuff. <laughs> you know, you can talk about it, but at the end of the day, it is really work and it takes effort. And in order for to get through that effort and through that um, pain that we have to endure and learning lessons we have to endure, you better have a passion that you're really, really. Um, jazzaton and might happen to be running. So, you know, my message to folks is that find something and they go, well, I don't know what my passion might be. And I, I suggest, uh, well, think about your childhood. You know, when we were kids, what did you gravitate to? What'd you do that it was, you know, that you loved? And uh, that might, I might spark a thought or two, but uh, have a passion, make the decision. And then um, there's 21 principles. I'm not going to go through all of them, but uh, there's a number of principles that are involved. Uh, but is a, it is a um, my favorite phrase. Um, I had written a book previously on another topic on, on networking, people-to-people networking. And my, my subtitle of that is, was networking. It was called Tales from the Networking Community. And that came after um, the dot-com bust where I landed myself, found myself out of a job. Uh, but the subtitle was networking like life is a process, not an event. So just put in the word fitness, fitness like life is a process, not an event. And there is a, a process that we all have to go through on our own, but folks like yourself through coaching and hopefully the podcast um, and stories like myself will help people on that journey. Another thing I think is noteworthy about your story is that you scared your family. You almost died. You came home and didn't really change anything. So you sunk maybe even deeper. And Mm -hmm. yet you had the resilience or the mindset to finally realize that you needed to do something about it and try again. And I think that that is really important to recognize that we're not going to, we might not always be successful on our first attempt, but what's important is that you try again and you try again and you keep making those efforts until you 
are successful. What are some other tips you have for people who want to get started or want to find fitness again? Uh, well, <clears throat> let's see. It's a process, not an event. So once you made that decision, then um, I'm a big believer in the seven habits of highly successful people. Habit number two by Stephen Covey, Covey is begin with the end in mind, right? Now, the, it, it's a little bit of a contradiction in terms because you want to get started. You don't want to wait it out, you, but you do have to have some sort of an end goal. Um, and, and that may change, but once you have that end goal, then you have a path. You hit your bottom. You've got an end goal. Now you've got a progression that you can go through. And then in the middle, um, as the 21 principles of fitness, one word principles, I talk about um, a coach. Uh, I didn't have one when I first started back into master's um, track and uh, many injuries ensued. Uh, <laughs> learned the hard way. So having a coach, um, having teammates, uh, we don't have to do it alone. Yeah, I love that. And it doesn't have to be, as, as you know, the traditional. I, I'm, I'm fortunate to be blessed to be on a track team with a, with a local coach who coaches high school, uh, a local high school, but he also coaches national champions um, in a very elite group of athletes that I'm just blessed to be on that team. So he talks about techniques. So having a coach, having teammates, having the camaraderie um, is all part of that process. Be consistent, use variety. Um, understand that the mind is going to, and I know you can relate to this. <laughs> um, any of us can that go through life and go through a fitness program, but the voices in the committee inside want us to fall back to our comfort zone. And that's just a natural state where, so you have to take baby steps and you have to take cues um, and you almost have to trick the mind into doing something that if you do something so small and I'll use an example, um, grabbing my sh shoes and tying up my shoelaces, a cue, the mind doesn't see that as a big threat. Now, if I said, okay, I'm getting ready to go out and I'm going to do a regular practice, which we do. And we're going to be doing um, interval training and <clears throat> it's going to be two hours. And then my might talk me out of that or at least have a lot more resistance to it, but doesn't sense tying up my shoes as much of a threat. So take baby steps, have some cues. Um, I, I'll turn on some music every once in a while where I really, you know, and I'll, I mean, I'll turn on um, I think Sylvester Stallone's birthdays today, as a matter of fact. Um, oh, cool. <laughs> Rocky, anything that can kind of just yeah. get you jazzed up. Because once you get out that door, and I know you know this all too well, once you get out that door and you've now gone through that glass ceiling of, of doubt and you really shouldn't be doing this, um, I've never returned from a practice or a workout where I said, that really wasn't a great idea. I shouldn't have done that. Uh, always come back re-energized and, and proud that I went through the effort. Absolutely. The only time I think you would come back saying that is if 
you were in that overzealous stage where you did too much and you injured yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So again, yeah. this yep. is yep. such a fascinating story to me because you weren't super athlete who then had a heart attack and then went on to become a track and field champion. You were a normal guy. So how does a normal guy who recovers from a heart attack go to become elite athlete status? This is really amazing to me. So uh, I I did it on my own for a while and I talked about injuries. (laughs) Should I say no more? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so I was very, very fortunate to get connected with a, uh, a coach who really believes in technique. So my 70-year-old body is way out of line with my 16-year-old spirit. Mm-hmm. So having a coach and having somebody that can give you feedback to go, no, you're not going to do that today. And you're going you're to do negative 200s, uh, which means you take the first half of it slower than the second half. So having a coach, having accountability allowed me to get in shape to the point where I, um, I've, I've always loved to compete. Um, and I, I do believe that I have some, some God given gifts, uh, cause I had run marathons before I ran a, um, I wanted to get under three hours in the marathon. Um, I did 309 at the Marine Corps marathon which I was very proud of. So I had had that history of running and the passion for it and it's age group categories. So when I say that I'm nationally ranked, um, that's in, <laughs> this is the only sport where you can go. I couldn't wait to turn 70 <laughs> because now in the 70 to 74 year group. Now, now what, guess what? There are, you get to the national level and the international level. Um, I don't even profess to be at that national champion, international champion, world record holder level, but I am nationally ranked and I contributed to my coach and my teammates who taught me to take my basic raw talent and Irish grit and to be smart about it in terms of drills and to run within myself and to know to run in phases and uh, our, our workout has a certain cadence to it. You know, instead of just going out there, we warm up, jog around. We do uh, a series of drills that are very intense, but they turn on the nervous system, as you know. So the nervous system then says, okay, body, you're getting ready to do a workout. We do interval training, um, and then we do warm downs, and then we do stretches. I didn't know any of that. So I owe all my success to my coach and teammates that allowed me to um, compete nationally and to be recognized nationally. And what is your event? My, my event is the 200 meters and the 400 meters. Okay, nice. Although I've taken and I've been ranked um, my first um, competition back in 2016, I, I took the bronze medal at the Maryland senior Olympics. Um, that was before I met coach because the next day I pulled a uh, calf, <laughs> but I was able to get through and compete in the hundred, but the 200 and knowing your sweet spot and my sweet spot is that the 400 requires speed, but there's a lot of athletes that don't want to do the 400. You're familiar with 
you know, um, the scene. And the reason is, is because the 400 requires speed and you go anaerobic instead of aerobic. In uh, that last 100 meters, um, a horse jumps on your back. So that allows me at least to put in the effort to separate myself from other 70-year-olds that may not want to pick up the 400. <laughs> yeah. So we were talking a little bit before we started recording, and I was telling you that I was so fascinated by the coverage of the National Senior Games last year out of Albuquerque. And I just love the stories. And, you know, you said something, I'm going to say this wrong, but you said something about, you know, being 70 years old, you're you're competing against other 70-year-olds. So you might not be as fast as like the 24-year-old, but the people that are there are all still in amazing shape. So if it's not something to discount, it's still an honor to be able to go and to compete against those people. And there are some amazing stories. Can you tell us just a little bit about what it was like to be there last year? It is hard to put in words. I've got chills just um, as you positioned the question. Um, it, it was in a beautiful part of the country, Albuquerque, New Mexico. There were 13,000 master athletes, 50 years and older. And it wasn't just track and field. It was swimming. It was golf it was bicycling or cycling uh, the the latest phenomena and craze in fastest growing sport um in the united states at least uh for for that age group maybe younger even is um, a sport called have you heard of pickleball yeah 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 <laughs> so pickleball um so we had 13,000 athletes they treated it like the olympics there was a torch the mayor you know came, there was a series of a month previously you know the torch being passed from you know um citizen to citizen the mayor brought the torch into the arena played the national anthem and then um the camaraderie and the esprit de corps and the relationships uh i did uh, i competed in the uh, 200 meters um, I took third in my heat. Uh, I did not qualify for the finals. Um, I fell over the finish line. Uh, there's actually, this is on, on video because they had it streaming, live streaming. <laughs> uh, this may be more than you want to know. Um, but I literally, uh, because of the heat and the altitude at the end of the 200 meters, my, I felt my legs, I didn't know. I thought I was a trip, but one of my teammates said, no, my legs started to go out from underneath me at five meters before the finish line. And I delayed there on the track, um, collapsed over the finish line. I did have an official finish and I was scared. Uh, my first thought was my daughters are back home watching this on live streaming. And what, what are they going to think? Here goes dad's heart, you know? So yeah, it was a very scary moment. So uh, there were some lows to it. There were some highs. I did uh, compete on a four by 100. So each leg runs 100 meters. And we took the gold medal in that in that age group. And I just, it was just such an experience. And there's a, there's a footnote to this personal story for the audience and those that are listening or that this story gets passed on to. I wore my gold medal through the airport. You know, as all other athletes did, right, people would right. stop. 
people would stop and go, oh my goodness, you got a gold medal. What was it in? And I met an 82 year old who won a gold medal in, um, I said, um, Wanda, what was your event? And she goes, uh, shot put in the, um, discus. <laughs> and there was another woman that was, uh, you may have heard of her. You may have read about her. Um, Julia Hurricane Hawkins. Yes. She's a 103 year old. Exactly. Yes. Oh, uh, what an inspiration. So, uh, just the, just that whole atmosphere. And then the footnote that come out of that came out of that is, and I think the more, the one of the more promising messages to those that are inspired by the new heart for life story is that once going back to our conversation of that decision being made, once those struggles are gotten through, once you overcome the mind challenges, once you've overcome the obstacles, which really just is another word for challenges or lessons, the universe will open up and you will be, you will meet people and have experiences similar to mine in Albuquerque that you never would have dreamed possible. I love that so much. What would you say to people? Your story is so inspiring. And I just feel like being in an atmosphere like the senior games would be so empowering. What do you say to friends of yours who aren't as active, who look at you and, you know, why do you do that stuff? Or, you know, what do you say to people, to your friends, to get them off the couch and being active with you? Is there a way to convince people to move more? Um, well, we can, we can have conversations like this and, you know, maybe you never know somebody might be moved by something that we've shared during this conversation. So you always create awareness. Um, you know, I'll, you know, there's, there's, there's sayings like, you know, okay, motion or medicine, your choice. <laughs> I chose motion, <laughs> you know? And so always try to reflect it back up my experiences uh, because, you know, as humans, we innately um, resist investigation, right? So trying to get somebody to do something, I'm, I, I'm the poster child, right? I had a heart attack and walked out of the hospital and a year and a half later, I, you know, nobody could, the doctors, you know, certainly were telling me what to do correctly. I just wasn't listening to them. Um, I am a big believer, and this not only goes for the worldwide audience uh, and the new heart for life story, but my daughters and my family, my sisters, I've got a story that's changed by modeling instead of talking. They've know that this isn't something that's dad just kind of going to do this for a little bit. They know it's a lifetime passion and they see the change in my energy. They see the change in my health. They see my just overall change. So modeling, I think to folks is also more powerful perhaps than, than words, but a combination of the two um, are, are strong. You never stop planting seeds. Um, one anecdote I've got, <laughs> I share this. My daughters in, used to be, um, you can only imagine after the story about the heart, right? And, and as an aging parent, kids, you know, children always are going to worry about their parents. Um, and this notion of dad's now 70 years old or whatever. My daughter's story has now changed from, is how's dad doing? 
to, hey, dad, uh, I just want to let you know that I saw your last video on grit and I was really inspired. And I really think I'm going to take up some walking or yoga or something. So uh, it's just a pleasure to be able to just do it for myself, but obviously have other people that are ready. As the saying goes, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. So that's modeling. That is another really fascinating part about your story is, you know, I think people feel like, you know, if they chose a career and, you know, they're 50 or 60, oh, I'm stuck with that job till I retire or, you know, whatever it is. I think people feel like they're, they can feel stuck in their situation. And here you are showing people that you can not only go from having a heart attack to becoming a master's champion, but you also are an influencer in the fitness space now at 70 years old. So, I mean, I think that shows that you can reinvent yourself and make an impact no matter what your age is. It's never too late to be somebody who can influence an impact. Absolutely. We talked a little bit about, um, back to Albuquerque, uh, I met um, Mark Middleton and his book, Growing Boulder. And they had a seminar. Uh, it wasn't really a seminar. It was, you know, for the athletes. Um, Pat Boone was there. Um, Diane uh, Nyad, who had swam from Cuba to Miami. Um, Rodney Games, who was Olympic gold medalist. And it was a show and tell of all these stories, people with hip uh, replacements and knee replacements that had come back. And the bigger story beyond mine is in that I, I learned from Mark in Growing Boulder. And I love his, I love his tagline, uh, Growing Boulder, Not Older. That we are in a paradigm shift in terms of how we think of what a 70 or 80 or 90 or Julia Hurricane Hawkins 103 looks like. And this is a shift that's going on of proactively. And this is what Mark says also that I love is prehabilitation versus rehabilitation. Life will come at us. I mean, I am not immune from, uh, you know, I'm being very careful in this, in this era we are, nobody is immune from sickness and from life happening at us. But once it does, if you are fit, then you've prehabbed yourself to be able to handle that illness. Um, and your body will be stronger to get through it than you would be if you were not in shape and you would have a slow, painful decline. Very, very good point. So I think that is a good time to switch gears. I have two more questions for you. What kind of takeaways do you have for the audience? What can you leave them with that are tips for helping them overcome adversity? Because you've been through a lot and you've been very successful at overcoming adversity. Yeah, I love the acronym ACT. And it stands for Action Changes Things. Uh, Back to motion versus medicine. So uh, once a decision has been made, and that's you know emotional and it's spiritual and it's at the gut level, uh, then you need to act. You need to take motion, and you need to also make sure that um, you do it carefully. You do it with guidance, and you do it with um, you know you put your ego on the shelf, 
Uh, and we do have some blind sides. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've got them in spades, still do. Um, so you don't have to do it the hard way, but um, once you act, then more will be revealed. And health and fitness, uh, as modeled by you know this story and all of the seniors that we talked about throughout the world, um, there is a different way to live and to change your life, but you've, you have to get off the couch and you have to quell those voices that say, yeah, you really should take it easy. Um, and remember, there's no failure, only feedback. Because you mentioned, well, what you probably not going to be a good experience if you come back injured, and certainly I have in races and competition. But that's not a, an opportunity to say, I, I'm just too old to do this. It's just feedback saying I should change my course of action. So in the last point that I would say to anybody that's contemplating a, a, a lifetime or wants to continue a lifetime of fitness is the line is not straight. It is it's going to have ups and it's going to have downs and it's not an A to Z lower left to upper right type of a line. And so when you have those downs, that's when you need teammates. That's when you need coach, you need people like yourself, Kim, that are out there encouraging us to um, back off a little bit, rethink what you're doing, but press on. Yes, that's all great stuff. Now, I'm going to put all of your links in the show notes, but if people want to find out more about your story or find your videos, where's the best place where they can connect with you? So um, the most complex thing in the world is to keep it simple. So I've just finally, you know, there's all these links and social media and yada, yada. So right now, anybody that would like to um, see the videos, um, see my website, they can go to New Heart. For life, that's the number four, newheartforlife.com. And you'll, on there, you'll see the 21 um, fitness principles. You'll read the article from the American Heart Association, uh, videos of me actually in the last couple months during this COVID period. Um, actually, uh, I filmed that. So you'll, you'll see me out there talking, um, uh, talking the walk, if you will. <laughs> And um, I'm a veteran. There's an article out there from the Veterans Association. We were going to have the Golden Age Games in June in Madison, Wisconsin. Hello to anybody in Wisconsin. I'm sorry I couldn't visit your state this year. We will next year. Um, there's an article about um, the Veterans Association did an article during Heart Month in February on my story. So all that information, newheartforlife.com. Love it. Last question. Power Up Your Performance is all about learning to think, feel, perform, and live like a champion. You are a champion in life with what, everything you've overcome and in sport. Can you share three traits that you believe all champions possess? One would be heart. And, and I think of Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali, when I was growing up, um, Cassius Clay in his younger days, um, when he in the 12th round, or maybe it was 15th round, got off of that stool and went and finished that last round, 
um, it wasn't his athletic ability that got him off that stool. It was his heart. So I think having heart and passion is, is one attribute. Uh, resilience. Um, we've talked about resilience during my story, but there's going to be failure. It, it, just to be able to know that you've got resilience and that you can come back from it, that there's no failure, only feedback. And the last one I would say is that, um, and Steve Jobs wrote a book um, called The Journey is the Reward. And the gold medal that I won in Albuquerque is somewhere upstairs. And that was a fascinating time. And it was, I can't, you know, it was just, we described it, but that medal's upstairs. It was the journey that I'm still on. That's the reward, not the medal. And if you, if you look at the process and love the process and understand the process and embrace the process, that those are the champions that as a byproduct we see their medals but the real process is what's got them to that podium love it well thank you so much for being on the show today thank you so much for sharing your story it was so inspiring and i know everybody is really going to get a lot out of this thank you kim and um as i'll say to you and and the listening audience to your new heart life. Awesome. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. I'm coach Kim Peak of Power of Run, and you can find me at www.crushingmygoals.com or on all social media as at sign power of run. If you liked this episode, be sure to give the podcast some love over on iTunes and remember to subscribe. As a new podcast, your reviews and stars and subscribes will help me grow the audience so that I can share my love of health and fitness and bring more experts to the show. Power up your week, and I will catch you next Tuesday.